welcome back to fourth and out my name is chris murray joined as ever by the best man in all of scotland except calvin harris it's scott hasty ladies and gentlemen how are you doing scott yeah i'm good thanks always good to be flanked by my favorite tight end <laughs> here are my tight end it's like the original um like innuendo in the nfl i remember the first day i heard that when i was about 14 i was like what do you mean they have a position called tight end anyway um how's things how have you been since the last time we did one of these yeah good you know it's it's sort of late february and i'm still wearing a christmas jumper but that's because it's my raven's christmas jumper which i really love it's a lot getting dressed up as you've done so i'm just going with this scott a lot has happened since last time out in episode one and two we're here back in episode three and the first thing that's happened scott is extremely meta as since the last time we spoke to each other we have published our first two episodes as well as our bonus episodes have you watched them yes and i think my favorite thing which i wanted to mention was our introduction slash outro for for people who have stuck with us through these episodes but have got no clue what that is can you <laughs> fill them in well um in the run-up to episode one um scott as we mentioned in episode one came up with the podcast name fourth and out and it was so much better than all of the ideas that i had because it worked on so many levels would a quarterback be in would they be out for the next year of their team and um turns out when i was looking up sort of you know imaging um all sorts of stuff that we could have used for the show i came across a game called fourth and inches it was the third ever nfl game um i can't even remember what console it was on maybe like commodore or something like that and on youtube scott i'm not lying to you their intro music for that game is banging and it's older than me so um i decided we should just adopt that for the show the 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 um game producer who made that game isn't in the game industry anymore so i can't ask them to use it and uh, apple podcasts if you're listening let us on your website the man wouldn't he doesn't care he's not in the gaming industry he doesn't want money for it let us be fine with using the intro youtube are fine spotify are fine it's, yeah. it's difficult it's a struggle i think i think we should try and get an interview with both the creator of the game at some point but also the player who what well, well, What's I think he's again? called Muffins. Muffins, yeah. We should try and f- track down wide receiver Muffins, see if he'd like to come on for an interview. Who scores the touchdown at the end of this show? If that's one reason to watch till the end, <laughs> it might just be the only one. But yes, I've watched all three clips. I'm a big fan of myself, clearly, and you, of course. Um, the reason I asked if you'd watched those two episodes and the bonus episode is I wanted to revisit the bonus episodes before we get into the meat of this podcast um, where we spoke about the end of season awards. Now, spoilers, by the way, but we kind of got a lot of them right. We got a big chunk of them right anyway. So let's go back through them. It was the, it was the night before Christmas, the night before the Super Bowl. Um, the Associated Press Most Valuable Player Award was handed out to the one and only Aaron Rodgers. He took 44 of the 50 votes with Josh Allen, your boy, taking the other four and Pat Mahomes taking the other two. So are the um, two Boarfests that voted for Pat Mahomes? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, someone the other day in a WhatsApp message to me called him 
post my homes <laughs> i was like how, how is it taking me like three years of his career nobody said that to me but yeah um we've not got any debate on this whatsoever we agreed unanimously at the end of the bonus episode that it had to be the uh aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. very sad he didn't show up in the championship game well he did he had a few errant mistakes and i think that threw his whole game but yeah overall very very happy that he got that award yeah yeah i can only sort of back that up. He was certainly the most exciting player last year. I think on 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 the whole, Packers were probably the most entertaining team last year. Yeah, good for him. We'll see how he comes back next year. And then moving on to some of the other awards. Yes, got... we got the um, Associated Press Coach of the Year went to an interesting one, Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. Um, yeah. he, d- he completely turned the team around, helped win them their first playoff game uh, in... God knows how many years. Uh, the first playoff game win of this era of the Browns, anyway, like since they became reactivated in 1999. He took 25 votes, Scott, leading against my pick. McDermott took seven of the votes, and I thought this was unexpected. Six other votes went to one man. Any guesses? I would probably go for Andy Reid. Oh, it was Brian Flores. Wow. But overall, Stefanski, you happy with that? I don't know. It's an interesting one because I do feel that when clearly with 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 this kind of voting, people like a story because those three coaches you just mentioned, you could you make a very easy argument that none of them should have gotten it. It should have went to Bruce Arians or you know, there's 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 so many choices that would have made more sense. But for me, I guess I I was kind of backing Sean McDermott. I think the the work he's done at the Bills has just been incredible, taking them from a complete nothing team to a, a genuine force in this league, like a scary team to play against. I think the Browns did improve, but did they improve as much as other teams improved? I'm, I'm not so sure. And I think with Flores, the story there is really important. He's doing great things, but I don't know if he's ready for this kind of accolade yet. If you remember from the bonus episode, we actually named two other AFC North coaches before we named him. Like, Scott, you were big on Tomlin, maybe getting a shout of the award. We also mentioned Harbaugh as well, which, I mean, perennial NFL coaches. They've both been there 14, 15 years now. So a shame that they didn't take home any of the votes. But alas, that's the only award that was really somewhat controversial to me offensive player of the year went to Derek Henry which is exactly what I wanted to happen I had named I think a few other players and then you named Derek Henry and I was like nope I take back everything I said (laughs) and I want Derek Henry to now win Rogers taking five of the votes and Pat Mahomes taking the other five of the votes defensive player of the year went to Aaron Donald this was probably the closest one of all of them he just edged TJ Watt 27 votes to 20 which is a bit of a shame really because I really thought this was going to be TJ's year I'm a Ravens fan and I have to say it's a total like like obviously Aaron Donald's incredible we're probably watching one of the best defensive players of all time in the NFL right now with him but TJ Watt, the, the the mission and the journey he's been on the past two years with the Steelers, he's a real captain and he's still really young. He will win this award. He will hopefully win others. But I think it was um, JJ, who I'm very sure we're going to be talking about a lot on this show. He posted up a tweet that had a table of all the different categories that you could break down defensive stuff into. And TJ was beating Donald and every single one of them apart from one, I think. So... I don't know. I I don't agree with it. I think there is a bit of a bias for Donald in, the, in, in these kind of circumstances. 
it is what it is. Yeah, and the thing is as well, like one thing I've noticed about the Pittsburgh Steelers watching them for as long as I have is it's very difficult for them to to win an award like this because something that's always been the case with them is that they're a defensive team. Like they, they never really have like standout players, like not since the days of Polamalu, whose jersey I'm wearing right now because it, it's such a team performance. Like you look at the sack numbers, the sacks are all split off against multiple players. Um, same with the interceptions that they got in 2020. So it's difficult for a Steelers to win this award. And I'm hoping that TJ does what you said and gets back close to winning this again at some point in the future. All fingers crossed. Uh, two more, the Pepsi next rookie of the year, which I'm pretty sure was a fan vote this year, went to Justin Herbert, who I definitely think they should name the award after because he had an absolute blinder this year. Yeah, he's pretty good, like all things considered. Considering every person around him was utter tripe, he was pretty good. So um, we'll see how the Chargers build into the future. They'll obviously be thinking, right, we've got our guy here, clearly. We just need to make sure that we're giving him enough enough coverage and then giving him enough um, enough weapons as well. But um, yeah, he's, he's only going to improve, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And uh, Scott, you get any idea who the last award went to with 49 of the 50 votes for comeback player of the year uh yes so this one went to alex smith again the story was there it was a great moment i remember getting emotional watching him come back on i still was very critical in in i think episode two was it or episode yeah it was episode two we did the nfc wasn't it i was still pretty critical about the washington football team naming him the starting quarterback and continuing forward with that but he does deserve this accolade yeah yeah fantastic to see and i was thankful that ben roethlisberger took home that one other vote to um we both would have liked to see the award but let's face it if you come back from what 17 leg surgeries it made sense for alex smith to get it now uh, that was the awards the next night it was the wrestlemania of the nfl world super bowl l V, yeah. Despite being the underdogs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers took home this year's Super Bowl with a score of 31 to 9 over the defending AFC and NFL champion Kansas City Chiefs. They were the number five seed, while the Chiefs were the number one. Not quite the barn burner that we were hoping for. 21 6 at halftime, finished 31 9. Scott, how would you sum up that night? It was great. It was really great. It's the first time in my entire life that I've rooted for the bad guys in life and they won. And it feels good, people. Let me tell you, if you've never rooted for the bad guy, give it a shot. You said it wasn't a barnstormer, but I just really enjoyed it. I just like, there's this thing with NFL where you have to just come around to the way of, of, of agreeing and getting behind Brady. Brady is inevitable. He's like Thanos. He's inevitable, you know? You just have to get behind it. And then you also had the other thing of repeat winners are really boring. Yes, um, Scott, representing. That's my age-old yeah, NFL yeah. rule. Especially this year where it was just really easy for the Chiefs. And I, I feel like they, for so many weeks, played on autopilot. It's like they weren't even trying. They were just clowning people and showing disrespect. So for them to get to the Super Bowl and be disrespected was beautiful. And what a run for Brady to get there, just first of all. Like, he had to go through, he basically had to do like enter the dragon, like Bruce Lee. He had to go through 
every like the best possibly booked. It was like the perfect gauntlet match in WWE. Mm-hmm. Like you, you had to face off against Alex Smith and and the Washington team. And uh, don't forget Taylor Heineke in there as well. Yeah, who who obviously played really well. And then he had to face off against Drew Brees. That final match there, incredible booking. And then he had to face off against Rogers to get through all them, come up against Mahomes and just trounce Mahomes. It's just exceptional. There, if if you are an NFL fan and you do not think Tom Brady is the greatest player of all time, there's something wrong with you. He clearly is. There is no question about it now. And I just wanted to say one other thing about Brady because Saturday Night Live did a skit a few weeks ago where they went through American life and culture and basically um, discussed and dissected if it was broken or not. So obviously the American government, broken. (laughs) Democracy in America, broken. The stock markets in America, broken. (laughs) Tom Brady, probably the last great bastion of America that still works. I love it. I love it. I mean, I've been a massive fan of Tom Brady for a long time. Now, I did start my NFL life by not liking him because he started my NFL life by destroying the hearts of Steelers <laughs> multiple times over and over and over again, ending their best season of their entire lifetime when they finished 15 and 1 in 2004. It all came to it all came to a burning screeching halt at the hands of uh, his Patriots. But I think since like 2000 and Nine or ten, I've really respected him and uh, been an open fan of his at least for the last five, six or seven years. Yeah, it was just it was just great to see. It was great to see the the old man just just doing it so well. Speaking of old old men, was was this the first one that you watched with your old man? Yes. Shout out to John. He really enjoyed it as well. He was he, he was back in the Buccaneers. So we both had a good night. I got some stats I wanted to hit you with, which um, I just thought were quite interesting. Just sort of quick fire. Brady scored his first first quarter touchdown of his Super Bowl career, which I thought was was interesting. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. How many Super Bowls has he been in? Uh, Ten now, losing three. I think that's his seventh. Um, He's won more Super Bowls than any other team, which I think is a stat I love. Steelers had that record. They earned it back in 2009. Uh, Brady was a good few behind, <laughs> brought the Patriots up to, I think, six as well, and then has now won his seventh, um, so good on him. Buccaneers, Scott, quiz question. They join which other team in being undefeated in multiple Super Bowls? Undefeated in multiple Super Bowls, so the only other team that's made Super Bowls and not lost in them. Mm-hmm. The Bills? I'll give you a clue. Mm-hmm. Look at your nipples. I've got trees on my, my nipples. <laughs> Is it us, is it? It is, it's the Baltimore Ravens. Well, yeah, I suppose we, we've brought the cut back both times. Yeah. Chiefs became the third Super Bowl team not to score a touchdown. The Rams definitely didn't do it against Patriots, yeah. and who knows who the other one was. Hopefully it wasn't Steelers, because we've had some mince games. <laughs> All of the Buccaneers' points were scored by free agents the previous season. I think this is the stat that's this been bandied is, about. I, it's so funny, right, because... There would have been a lot of people that woke up the next morning and really butthurt about this. But I just love the fact that three pensioners walked into town and just decided to take it home. It is so, so funny that that Gronk and Antonio Brown, not so much Brady, but certainly those two, they don't deserve a Super Bowl. There's (laughs) there's players in the league that, that, that right now have been working harder and harder to make their team better and better staying with that team, building with that team and not winning a Super Bowl. And then here comes 
Rob Gronkowski, out of being a part-time wrestler, <laughs> picks up a ring. Antonio Brown, out of just slapping Roger Goodell back and forward and disrespecting his family. Being a part-time arsehole. Being a part-time <laughs> arsehole, walks in and gets a ring. And then Brady, after leaving his daddy's teat for the first time in, in like 20 years, walks in first season after a you know pretty... Uh, kind of season it just wins a ring it's so disrespectful to so many teams in the nfl i love it and it wouldn't be fair to mention the other two as well leonard fournette a player who course, has yeah. ran over steelers many times i've decided i've hated many times <laughs> had a decent playoff run including a touchdown in the super bowl and the first ever mr irrelevant final draft pick to win a super bowl kicker ryan suck up he scored a field goal and four extra points. And uh, those five players accounted for all 31 of the Buccaneers points. You'll love to see it. It truly was a beautiful kind of story. But you know what? It opens up so many questions. Here's a few for you, right? Brady, obviously, he doesn't retire. He said it pretty immediately after winning the Super Bowl. He's like, no, I'll see you next year. The rate at which he played, like like the, the way he played towards the end of the season and then throughout the playoffs... It's interesting with him. How many years do we have left of Brady? Because we, we speak about Big Ben and Rogers like time is borrowed there. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Rivers and Breeze dip since we started this podcast. Brady doesn't look like he's retiring anytime soon. He doesn't look like he's getting worse. Like mm-hmm. he just is maintaining this elite level. It's It's crazy. It really is. I think this season that we've just watched definitely felt much better than the previous season when they went out to the Titans. Yeah, it's it's just been a fun journey to watch. I think this is the thing with Tom Brady. I, he's never really looked old. You know how there's been players that have looked old? Like Ben Roethlisberger looks old. Aaron yeah. Rodgers, when he's got a full beard, he looks old. Brett Favre at the end of his career with his big white hair, he looked old. But Tom, because of his bloody TB12 sports drugs that he <laughs> takes, sorry, Tom, his beautiful wife and all of his physical trainers, like they, they do things to him. They put a voodoo hex on him. Somebody check Tom Brady's loft for uh, uh, a picture like that film. What's it called again? Ah, oh, that's a terrible literary reference to the guy that has a portrait in his loft. Oh, um, um, Dorian Gray. Yeah, he is Dorian Gray. Check He's his Dorian loft. Gray, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy you saved me. We would have yeah, had to yeah, end, yeah. end the episode and start yeah, again. Yeah. Um, Tom Brady also has, he joins what other player to have two Super Bowl wins with two different teams? Do you know that one? Two Super Bowl wins with two different teams. Peyton Manning. Bingo. Yeah. So um, the age old debate between Brady and Manning, I think it's been closed. I think, I, I mean, I love Manning as well. And he's much funnier than Tom Brady is, but Brady has definitely outplayed him. And uh, my final stat, one that I love quite a bit Pat Mahomes gets his first loss by multiple points in his NFL career. Like, holy cow. Like, he's went, what, three years in the NFL now. And that's the first thing he's lost by two scores. Mad. It'll be. It's the one thing I really don't know how they bounce back or or what happens here. Obviously, on on the face of it, on the surface of it, I'm I'm literally biting into a team that have made the Super Bowl two years in a row. They're the best team in the NFL. But what if you know, like mm-hmm. like what if he he takes this result really badly, and what if they come back next year and and there's there's problems there. It certainly makes it more exciting going into next season for the Chiefs to see what happens. And then another one as well that affects another team, a completely third entity here, which, you know, I'm sure you're not going to like this this line of discussion, but what does this mean about Belichick? Because when Brady left, everyone assumed and sort of 
peg Belichick for being the one that was the, the you know the, the wizard, the grandmaster. But we've seen Brady might might have been the secret sauce all along. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously the Patriots had a dreadful year, which you know I'm not for a second blaming Bill Belichick for because everything he had around him. But what does this mean for Belichick, and what does this mean for the Patriots moving forward? Because they could be seriously finished. The only caveat I have to that is that I sort of think that this season statistically throws every line graph that is out there on every player and every team. I think this year throws it off because, you know, Patriots had Cam Newton who got coronavirus and definitely suffered as a result of it. We saw that in the flesh. Uh, He also had the most amount of players that he lost to coronavirus opt-outs. So I think, I still think, I mean, I think he's a genius for getting the wins that he got in 2020 with the players that he had, but it needs to be better in 2021. We have to we have to see it this year. It has to be better or else, you know, Belichick could get packed and sent off into the sunset. We'll have to wait and see. So in episode one and two, we took a look through all of the NFL starting quarterbacks this year and decided whether or not they'll still be in their jobs this coming season. Now, we're now going to expand on it a little bit and take a look at some of the NFL's biggest impending free agents. We're going to pick some each. We're going to tell you where they're going to be come the start of the season in September. Now, Scott, there's two caveats to this. First of all, we're not going to talk about any quarterbacks on the list because we already did that discussion in episodes one and two. And the other caveat is we definitely are going to talk about some quarterbacks because despite the fact that free agency hasn't opened yet, a number of players have already been on the move, whether that's unofficial deals, trades, which are allowed regardless of free agency. So let's speak about a couple of moves and a couple of players which have already happened by trade. Now, first of all, we got one of the biggest blockbuster moves we've seen in recent NFL times happen quite unofficially because on Jared Goff's Wikipedia page, he's still very much with the Rams. <laughs> but Matthew Stafford has got himself involved with a guy that I think he is actually pals with. And Matthew Stafford will be moving to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff to the Lions alongside two future firsts and a third round pick all going back. Now, Scott... This was the biggest news that's happened since the Super Bowl. What is your thoughts on this? It's an interesting one. I do think that the, the, on on the face of it, two firsts and a starting quarterback is a lot for a guy who's quite far into his career. But I do think that the Rams immediately upgrade here. That is the definite bottom line. I'm really happy for Matt Stafford. Since I've been watching the NFL, he has been the ultimate mid-carder of the NFL. He's been the guy who everybody wants the main event push for. Like, there's no doubt about it. He's so exceptionally talented, and I still believe that there's a place for guys with big arms in the NFL that kind of aren't mobile quarterbacks, and he's maybe the best in the NFL that fits that description. I think the Rams have got a massive upgrade here. They were already pretty damn good, to be honest, heading out of last season. They play in the most difficult division in football, And it's a division where the Cardinals are going to be really hungry. The Seahawks should, in theory, be a playoff team for the next few years. The 49ers will want to bounce back as well and potentially make big moves. So the Rams really, I thought it would happen this year, but they they somehow arced out a playoff spot. But I have been feeling for a little while that they're going to be the ones that kind of fall away from that division. But this really puts them back in the hunt for me. I do think they'll definitely at least make the playoffs with Stafford, but they could be a really big threat next year. In that sense, it's terrific business. In the other sense, I think they might have overpaid. 
Stafford's good. Goff, I've never really been a fan of. But I do think they'll get weapons in Detroit. And I think the way that Detroit play football is very haphazard, whereas LA, it's it's more disciplined. They actually know how to play football in LA. But in Detroit, it's just kind of like dime a dozen every game. So I think that Goff will get his opportunity to showcase if he's a good quarterback or not in terms of being able to throw the ball and run the ball himself. But the issue is I, I don't believe in the backroom staff there. And I worry if he is rubbish, which I think he could be, they'll just kind of suffer through that. And the summers of discontent will continue in Detroit. I don't think the lines are going to improve. They are going to get worse. But I'm interested to see if Goff can actually throw a football. Absolutely. I mean, I said to you in episodes one and two, I've never really rated Stafford like me and you predict every game and every NFL season. And there's never been a game where I've been like confident that the Detroit Lions are going to win. Like it just, there isn't a game, there isn't a game where they'll walk into as massive, massive favorites. I said in the first two episodes, I, I think they should move on. And now they have, which is great. I do feel bad for Jared Goff. I think he's a lot better than he gets credit for. He's taken them very high in the NFL in a short space of time. And the, the Rams found out how to focus on Jared Goff's strengths, which I liked as well. Taking the Rams very high, that was something Stafford has never managed to do in about 10 years of being in the NFL. I found a comparison. and I wanted to run it by Scott. Now, did you watch the animated series of Pokemon when you were younger? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's legendary. Absolutely legendary. What's, your best, my... um, what's your best Ash Ketchum impression? No, I won't do it because I'm, I'm very bad at voices. Wait. I would get Lucy to come in and do voices because she can do voices, but I'm absolutely woeful, so I can't. Do you want to have I a shot? T- yeah, I can try it. Pikachu! That's good. Is that all right? What about... Um... No, I thought about it, but I'm not going to. We're going to move on. This is what it's like, right? Do you remember when Ash gets on the SSN and pre-syncing, right? And he meets that guy that he wants to trade for his Butterfree. Ash has had this Butterfree since day one, right? Episode one. He catches and raises it, Caterpie, Metapod. He evolved it all the way up to his Butterfree. Then later on in the SSN, he sends it to that other guy for this Raticate. And later on on the ship, he sends it into battle. And you see him go to throw his Pokeball. And he goes, I choose you, Butterfree. That's the impression you're getting right. And he throws a Pokeball and it's Raticate. And he's really disappointed because he thinks he sent out his Butterfree. Now he immediately realizes he just doesn't have that connection with the Raticate that he had with his Butterfree. And he runs straight back to that trainer and says, can we please reverse this trade? Because I need my Butterfree back. Yeah, I think this is that situation. I think the Rams are going to find themselves running back and trying to get back their butterfree, but the Rams won't be able to do it. You can't, you can't trade back once it's done in the NFL. So I hope there's no mistakes made here, especially for the fact that the Rams have paid a lot to get Stafford. You would think it'd be the other way about, what with Goff being the younger quarterback with playoff wins and such. So we're going to have to wait and see. It's going to be an interesting one. I'll say this about Pokemon. <laughs> the best line is when Brock um, is running and it's raining and he says, I know, I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. And that's the best part of the whole Pokemon animated series. Um, I don't know if by the end of the animated series, Ash ever paid Misty for wrecking her bike. Remember that? <laughs> no, what matter. bastard, man. <laughs> 
stay tuned at the end of this show for the pilot episode of me and scott's pokemon podcast <laughs> the other big trade that happened over the course of the nfl summer we'll call it or the off season mm. is that the colts have a brand new quarterback carson wentz has been shipped off to them I'll start on this one. Like, I feel a bit bad for the Colts. Two years in a row, they've had to look for new stars after having two quarterbacks that were once-in-a-generation talents in Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Now here they are. Luck walked off and they managed to get your boy Philip Rivers. He had a fairly decent season for them, took them to the playoffs. But then he walked off as well. So now we're back at square one and they've got a brand new quarterback coming in. Here's my issue, right? I don't know who the Colts are. Are they a team with a stacked roster looking for a quarterback like the Buccaneers were? Can someone walk in and take them to the Super Bowl? Are they a team that has a star quarterback who's protecting the rest of the team from looking bad like the Texans? I can't tell which side of the line these guys are. We're going to have to wait and see. I think that Wentz deserved a trade because I think that despite his successes in Philly, and he has had successes, he took a team to the playoffs twice despite never getting there himself. And I think he deserves another opportunity. He's been good in flashes in the past. So hopefully this works out for him. But what do you think? You've just reminded me of the second best NFL Twitter account ever. Because obviously the best one's Full Gruden. Full Gruden. Full underscore yeah. Gruden. But the second best one was Civil War Andrew Luck. <laughs> General Luck. Some? General Luck. And he would always write his mum uh, letters <laughs> from, from the, the front line during the Civil War. I remember when he retired, I got, I got emotional at the fake tweet from General Luck. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear it? Yeah, have you got it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, it's Captain Andrew Luck on Twitter. C-A-P-T Andrew Luck, if you want to go look it up. August 25th, 2019. Dearest mother, the quill has never felt more heavy. <laughs> I have made the decision to holster my sidearm permanently. I shall battle no more. The decision is difficult. <laughs> Scott, stop laughing. But as the hogs taught me, I must be true to myself. I am coming home to care for you and the farm, Andrew beautiful it's, it's great um, all the comments are just gifts of people crying yeah it's, it's, it's beautiful and then of um, course in true nfl fashion second comment you let us down <laughs> <laughs> uh, well yeah i mean i mean maybe there's two futures for the colts maybe they just need to pry luck back out of retirement which was rumored but then also, maybe they need to just take Jacoby Brissett out of the friend zone and actually give him a chance to be the boyfriend. But I don't think that'll ever happen, and I'm not sure he's good enough to be the boyfriend. I'll say this, right? I am an enormous Carson Wentz fan. I am the... Anyone watching this, I am the biggest Wentz fan that you know. I just think he's so underappreciated. So for me, on this trade, I'm, first of all, really, really happy that he got out of Philadelphia because I think it was a really toxic environment for him in there. Not not because of him, but for him. I think the fans really have turned on him. You know, I think sports fans in Philadelphia are, are some of the most passionate in the country. I don't know, Chris, if you've ever seen the YouTube compilations of the night after they won the Super Bowl. Like, it's about 10 minutes of people throwing couches out of their own homes, <laughs> setting fire to cars. And then the policemen there are just like, Cool. Yeah, fine. I'm actually really confident. This could be a lie, but I'm confident that the next morning the, the mayor turned up and was like, listen, we know there was loads of civil disobedience. We'll pay for it. It's fine. <laughs> like, 
I'm pretty sure the mayor genuinely took money out of the, you know, the city to pay for all the damage that got caused because the you Eagles know, won the Super Bowl. You know, in the Simpsons, when <laughs> the guy like Colte brings out the this the the note or whatever it is, and he's like, "Yeah, there'll be no new children's school this year," and that's exactly what the Philadelphia mayor was saying. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, honestly, it's crazy. I'll send you it later. But yeah, I, I, I guess like the point I'm trying to make is the fans there are on the positive side, some of the most passionate in sports. But when they're not winning, that obviously means that they are some of the most passionate in sports. <laughs> and Wentz got the full brunt of that. I think, and this is tinfoil hat, and I don't have a tinfoil hat with me, but just pretend that I'm putting one on, right? I think there is so much pressure on Wentz at Philadelphia because he did so well in his rookie season and then he had to watch someone else get the glory and that sucks for anybody. He has had some injury worries. I don't think he's as injury prone as people make out that he is, but the pressure's just never relented on him. But I tell you what did relent, the weapons. The, the weapons have progressively got worse for Carson Wentz as the years have gone on and yet he's the one that gets the blame. So here's something for you, right? Doug Peterson quit because he didn't like being told what to do. That is like official, like that came out from the inside reporters. I've also heard that Zach Ertz wants out as well, potentially trying to orchestrate a move to the Colts so he can link back up with Wentz. So here's my tinfoil theory. I think that Peterson got forced to play Jalen Hurts by the GM and everyone upstairs. I think that Peterson was a Wentz guy and I think that Ertz's team went, and I think that they're all now leaving or are going to leave because they've effectively been pushed out of the Eagles one way or another. And I think Doug Peterson knows his stuff. I think that Wentz is still incredible and is an incredible talent. And, of course, the crux of this deal is, and I'm sure you know this, in 2017 when Wentz had his best season, is, do you know who, who his coach was? That guy with the he liked to use pictures instead of play calls. Ch- Chip Kelly. His coach was Frank Reich. Oh, mind him! Of course, it would have been. Who's the Colts' general manager or 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 head, head coach? coach even? Yeah, makes sense, doesn't Frank it? I never Reich. I never realized that that was a bit of a reunion there. So Wentz gets to go back to his Mister Miyagi now, right? And for me, he gets out of that horrible situation. And just to end point the Eagles, I don't think they're going to be that good with Jalen Hurts. I don't particularly rate what I've seen of Jalen Hurts so far. But anyway, Wentz moves to the Colts. He gets back with Frank Reich, which is great for him. And I think if you look at the Colts last year, for me, they took the worst quarterback of 2019 which was Philip Rivers for me. I, I just, his last game for the Chargers was one of the worst quarterback performances I've ever seen. It was awful. They, they did pretty good stuff for Rivers. They kind of built around Rivers so that he had a decent season. He managed to take them to the playoffs. So for me, Wentz comes in and he's almost guaranteed the playoffs straight away. Because mm-hmm. just, like, it's just the same formula, isn't it? Same formula, but in theory, he's already slightly better than Rivers. So that is like, for me, an, an instant success there. He'll probably have better weapons. He's definitely going to have better coaching in Frank Reich. For Wentz and for the Colts, this can only work out well. But the one thing and the one caveat which I'm not too keen on is the 75% rule. The terms of the trade was that, obviously, the Eagles give them Carson Wentz, and in return, they get... 
2021 third round pick and a 2022 conditional second round pick. And the right. condition, condition is, is that... The 75% rule, which means that if Carson Wentz plays more than 75% of the games this year, it turns into a first round pick. Or 70% and they make the playoffs. Which is definitely going to happen. For me, it was almost an absolute bargain for the Colts, but then the Eagles might have shifted in a little bit of greatness here. So we'll see how that one plays out. I think it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really, really excited. I'm fully team Wentz, and it's a great reason to love the Colts again after and, I hated them last year. And how many of Wentz's seasons do you think that he fell below 70% of the regular season snap count? One. One, exactly one. He's done it four out of five years. 100% in 2016, 78% in 2017. 2018 was the only year he dropped down to 66. 2019, 99%. 2020, 72%. So odds are looking very good. And Scott, I love a harebrain theory from you. You've been right in the past. You've been wrong in the past. You were right saying years and years ago that Josh Allen was going to be a superstar. You were wrong some years ago when you said P. Diddy was going to buy the Carolina Panthers. We're still waiting on that panning out. But, you know, there's still time. He's got his fingers crossed. Right. Should we get to the main point of the show? We've yes. only been recording for about 15 hours thus far. But the main <laughs> thing that we want to talk about is we're going to look at the NFL's biggest free agents, excluding quarterbacks, and where they will play come the start of the 2021 NFL season in September or August. I can never really remember. But, Scott, you've already requested that we talk about a quarterback. Yes, I'm going to start this no talk about a quarterback by talking about a quarterback. Good. I would like to talk briefly about the number one pick on anybody's free agency board, which of course should be Dak Prescott, technically heading into free agency, okay? Now, we've already discussed that we think he should re-sign with the Cowboys. If he doesn't re-sign with the Cowboys, it's the stupidest thing that's ever happened in the NFL. Mm -hmm. You know, I think literally, if he, if he didn't re-sign with the Cowboys, there should be at least 28 other teams in that fight. Like, I would gladly have the Ravens drop Lamar Jackson tomorrow and sign Dak Prescott. Ooh, okay. Yeah, you know, he's literally bubbling around the top five in the league. He's just incredible. But I just wanted to say that, like, I just want this on recording. They have to re-sign him because if, if they don't, it is the stupidest thing that's ever happened since I've been watching the NFL. He literally would have taken the Cowboys to the playoffs if he played with the broken leg, like like Greg Jennings in that old Madden game, right? He he did put the team on his team back. on his back, yeah, too right. So I just wanted to start with Dak and say, technically the biggest free agent, but he has to resign. Do you know what? It's on record, and when it doesn't happen, we will DM Dak Prescott with this video on Twitter. And uh, hopefully he'll get back to us. But Scott, for the five players that I want to talk about, I've gone for three wide receivers, a cornerback and an edge rusher. So for the listeners, you can take that with you and try and guess who mine are. But do you want me to start? Or do you want to start? Go for it. So the first player I wanted to talk about is a player who I feel like passed me by in 2020 but i'm worried because he's one of the biggest free agent players heading into the next season and that is chris godwin wide receiver 
of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I think everyone has fallen in love with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the last month. So that's a good place for us to start. But I got some thoughts on him. Like, I feel like I don't remember anything he did in the NFL playoffs this season. I had a little look. He had a, a less than 10 yards receiving in the Super Bowl. He scored one touchdown throughout the whole postseason. A couple of games with like 40 yards, one with 70 yards. And then if you look at his season, he had a sort of okay season. He averaged about 70 yards per game, which I don't think is mind-blowing. Seven touchdowns for the year, one more in the postseason, as I mentioned. And I think that with this guy heading into free agency, I think I'm looking at that team and I'm looking at right all of those players that scored in the Super Bowl that are all free agents. I'm looking at Fournette, I'm looking at Brown, I'm looking at Evans, Gronk, even Scotty Miller, who stepped up in the postseason with that amazing catch. Mickens is in there as well. So for Chris Godwin, I'm officially for him, for me, bring him back, but don't break the bank on him. Like you've got other players to worry about before you worry about him. You can maybe even use a franchise tag on him because I think for players that aren't quarterbacks, the franchise tag might not be as much as it sounds. So if I was picking for Chris Godwin, that's what I would do with him. Um, You got any thoughts? Chris Godwin's an interesting one for me, I think. As an avid fantasy player, so other people listening that, that, that are fantasy fans will know this as well. He went from obscurity last year to being like a top five fantasy football pick this year, which to me heading into this year, I was like, what? Who? And I think he's had an okay season. I don't think he's really justified that that top five fantasy pick. I think he's had an okay season. I still think that Mike Evans is is the talisman up in that wide receiver spot for the Buccaneers for me. I'm pretty confident in saying this, that I'm pretty sure Evans had the better season statistically. So for me, I think that Godwin's going to cost you around 10 to 15 million to bring back, even if you franchise tag him for a year. The Buccaneers have 13 million in, in the green. So... I don't. I wouldn't bring him back. I, I, I think you've got enough there. And then if you need to reach in and grab someone off free agency, you've got people kicking around like Sammy Watkins, who's probably going to leave the Chiefs. There's good picks there that are built the same way as Godwin and can give you exactly the same. Now, for Godwin himself, I think there's lots of different landing spots for him, but I'd like to throw a couple out there. Panthers are going to need a number one receiver. They have 31 million cap space. So they're probably going to bring in a quarterback. They'll want to pair someone up with them. The Broncos could look for someday. They've also got 31 million. Washington have 38. The Colts with Wentz have 43 to give him. The Jaguars with uh, Trevor Lawrence have an incredible 77.5 million in the green cap space. I like that you're already giving (laughs) the Jaguars Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, there's lots of landing spots for someone like Chris Godwin this year. And I'm just going to throw my two guys in as well because I think I pair them all together. Alan Robinson and Kenny Golladay, who I'm selecting as one pick to talk about here because they are effectively the same player. <laughs> um, they should both want to leave. Now, now, obviously, Godwin might really, really want to stay because the Buccaneers you know, are, are flying. They could be looking to repeat, which we don't want, obviously. But Robinson... You know, he's had to deal with Trubisky and Foles, and before that, he had to deal with being part of the Jaguars when they were utter trash as well. So Robinson should want stability. So I'm thinking now, could he go back to the Jaguars and pair up with Trevor Lawrence? Could he go to the Dolphins with Tua, who's obviously going to be there for the foreseeable future, and, you know, they're just getting better and better, potentially. 
Could he go to the Ravens, who needs a wide receiver one? Maybe. And then I also want to throw Kenny Galladay, because Goff's coming in. They're losing Stafford. I know you and I differ here. But if I'm Kenny Galladay, I'm not wanting to stick around and be part of this shit show with, with, with Jared Goff, to, to, to speak plainly. I think I've I've put in the, the numbers the past few years that I need to be in playoff contentions now. And Chris Godwin will be the same. I don't think Godwin will want to go to a team that's not going to be a playoff team straight away. So potentially also looking at the Titans, Niners, as other teams and other landing spots for these big wide receivers who are looking for success. Absolutely. I love it. I like that you've picked those guys as well, because I feel like they are names that could get forgotten in the shuffle that is going to be that date in March when free agency opens. So hopefully they get the moves that they want. I'm going to go on and talk about another wide receiver, one that you've not mentioned. Will Fuller. I'm not going to try and decide which number of Will Fuller he is in his family. So we're just going to call him Will Fuller and not talk about his dad, his dad's dad, or his dad's dad's dad in this show. But Scott, he got a bit of a raw deal when DeAndre left the Texans, I think. I think the key to Will Fuller's success in the NFL was that he was next to Hopkins. It's kind of the same as what happened with Antonio Brown and any receiver that he played with in Pittsburgh. Automatically, those receivers play better or at least have the chance to play better because AB was drawing coverage, leaving players open. Juju, for instance, getting that 97-yard touchdown against the Lions for the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe in 2017 or 18. Now, this is where Fuller is different for me because in 2020, they tried to bump him up to number one receiver. Normally, this doesn't work. Like, we have seen this in the past. We've seen when Cowboys tried to bump Cole Beasley up to number one from being a slot guy for his whole career it's happened with other players as well and basically they go oh crap and they go away and run away and get an actual number one receiver but I think that Will Fuller actually stepped into this role quite nicely he didn't have phenomenal numbers in 2020 but me and you have spoken quite a lot about the skill level of him like there's been times when we've messaged each other just being like have you, did you see Fuller's touchdown and we'd be like in awe of it so he had 11 games this year in those 11 games he had the most receptions of his career despite being five games down on the season he had his biggest yardage despite being five games down on the season he had his most yards per catch which i think is important because that's a factor that you can you know extrapolate out over 16 games and he also had his most touchdowns despite losing five games in the season i can't remember what we said in episode one and two but do we want deshaun to stay or are we wanting him out of there I don't like cruelty towards humans or animals or any <laughs> any beings on the planet, so absolutely would, would, would want him out. He's said, I'm pretty sure he's publicly said since we recorded episode one that he's, he's requested a trade. Yeah. Well, in fact, let's take him out of the discussion because I think this is important regardless of the discussion. I think that this guy should be getting paid in the region, but not the top guy in the league. I think he's, he's in the conversation now. I think he should be looking at a couple of million off of like the highest average salary in the league, which I know is mental, but Houston, right, who else are they going to spend their money on, right? They, they need to buy lots of young talent immediately. That's how this team is going to improve. Are you talking about Houston re-signing them for that kind of money? Yes, because they're already looking like, that. well, I think odds-wise, they're the least favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2022, this will be, which is really no in, surprise. In the exact same league as the Jets. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I think spend your money wisely and have this be 
the Mike Evans of the Buccaneers. You know how Mike Evans, when the Buccaneers were in turmoil, he just sort of stayed and kept playing quite well through, you know, Freeman, Winston, uh, before, you know, eventually Brady turned up and Mike Evans sticks his hand up and says, by the way, I'm still good. I want that to happen with Will Fuller at the Texans. I want him to become an iconic receiver there like Andre Johnson did. But, you know, Andre Johnson has also came out and said that the Houston Texans are a trash football team. So, So what do we do here? Listen, I know that there's 32 teams in the league and technically, you know, the Texans need to submit a squad list at some point, <laughs> but I just don't want anyone to have to suffer playing for them. I can totally see them paying crazy money to re-sign Will Fuller, but I disagree with you on any other team paying him that kind of money. I just don't think he's that kind of player. He doesn't, he doesn't score enough touchdowns. And the other thing, I know you said remove him from a conversation, but you can't. Like, so much of the reason why he gets so many of his catches is because he's got the best quarterback in the league, potentially, thrown to him. I just don't think he's done enough for me. Like, we need a big wide receiver, the Ravens, okay? And I've mentioned a couple, and you've mentioned one in Godwin as well that I would really like. If we put all of our cap space into signing Will Fuller, I would be pretty disappointed. Oh, really? Yeah. I just don't think that he's up there with the players that we've mentioned you know what? That's fine. That's fine. And when Will is watching this, he's going to be really disappointed in you. He might be. That. That's fine. What other player would you like to talk about? I want to stick with you because I've seen some spoilers. I've seen your final player. Let's let's get the wide receivers out of the way. <laughs> you wanting me to go to my third wide receiver? Let's have the conversation that this whole episode is building towards. It, it, it's literally one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation. Now, I have maintained an opinion <laughs> this season. <laughs> this <laughs> but, season? For, Only well, this season. You know what? Do you know what it was like? It was like a, a rosebud, this opinion. And then this season, it fully bloomed <laughs> and took over the whole rosebush, I think. Because in a season where Steelers got better, there was a player who I think got worse. And I, I'm, I'm not even talking about his playing talent. That That's a different discussion. But there was a player who really irked me. Steelers have a motto that I think a lot of teams have. The motto that they have is the standard is the standard. And I think that if you interpret that in layman's terms, it basically means don't be an arsehole, right? They said it, if we even go all the way back, they said this to Santonio Holmes. They said, Santonio, stop being a douche, right? You know, eventually Santonio had to leave Steelers because he was a bit of an arse. And eventually I think he shot himself in the leg at one point. That didn't quite pan out for him. Um, it's happened later on with multiple other players. We've seen it with Antonio Brown. We've seen it with Le'Veon Bell. Basically, yeah. there's there's a you know there's a there's a standard there that you have to uphold to, and it's a respect level you have to set up to. And there's a man who this year just didn't have that for me. And I'm talking about Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, I loved the hubbub when he came into the league. I loved the story about him getting his bike stolen. I love the story I mentioned earlier on about how he scored a 97-yard touchdown against the Detroit Lions, thanks to Antonio Brown being covered. He's always sort of been there, but then see when AB left and he had to step up to the role. He just never did it for me. I think he was a big part in the Steelers having two of their worst seasons in recent memory in 2019 and 18, where I think both seasons they only got eight wins. This year in particular, he just I think he was a major, major part in the Steelers performing quite badly towards the end of the season. I think that when he's called upon, he's, he's let me down. Although he has came up big in, in some of the games, stuff like the dancing on the logos, two different games this year, two games which happened to be the games that Steelers lost on their losing run at the end of the season. It just really made me mad. And, and he never seems like 
he's really trying and he never seems like he's really bothered when the team lose. Like, see when the pitchers came out of, of Ben on the bench with Pouncey, both crying, realizing that his 10-year stint he'd had together was coming to an end, whether for one of them or both of them is still to be decided. Juju just didn't look that bothered about the fact that he just lost to the Cleveland Browns. He just gave them their first playoff win in, you know, 60 million years or however long and it was. And his contract was coming to an end as well. Exactly. Why Why is he not playing to perform? Why is he not playing to show up and, and, and earn that contract? The standard is the standard. And for me, Juju is not the standard. Guys like Washington coming in and just being absolutely dynamite to watch. And Juju's just the man left out. Like he's he's almost like a hangover from a different era. I feel like the Steelers are a new team this year with all the young receivers they are. And I, I feel like Juju's on the outside. Do you know what? We, we can't go this whole show, you know, fourth and in, fourth and out, saying that so many people will stay and so many people should get paid. For this one, I'm happy. Just, just let them go. When the free agency day comes, give them a nice pat on the back and say, see you and good luck with all your future endeavors. I, I personally don't want him back. Cool. You good? You, you, was that was that helpful? I've been waiting to do that for about three months, so okay. um, I'm yeah, happy right. that's out. Also, I, was... I, I feel like I might have to correct myself. It might be Plexigo Burris that shot himself in the leg and not Santonio Holmes. One of them did. Both of them had to leave. That's all we'll say about guns on this show. Okay. Excellent. For me, I've been really impressed with Juju's skills on Fortnite um, over <laughs> the past few years. He did bring Fortnite dancing to the mainstream in terms of touchdown celebrations, which is good fun if you're 13. And I remember fondly the day that I took off work because he was live streaming with Drake and Travis Scott, which was great. Um, however, he, he isn't a very good wide receiver. I just don't think he is a wide receiver one. He was found out as soon as Antonio Brown left. And yeah, you've kind of been needing some kind of talismans in that position for the past few years. Hopefully Claypool will do it. I also want to give a shout out because I don't think we're going to I want to give a shout out to James Conner because I think that he's really underrated. He's actually, I think he is the standard. I think he's tried to put in the standard as best he can over the past few years. But you are going to release him because you're just not going to pay that money. So shout out to him for being okay in the AFC North for the past few years. Well done. Juju needs to go. I don't want him coming anywhere near my team. Again, I would be extremely disappointed if it's the kind of player that we look to try and sign to prove our wide receiving core. Do you think you will get a like wide receiver one gig somewhere else? I think that he will get a one year deal, circa you know twelve thirteen million, whether that's with us or someone else. I think that that will be his like last chance at you know that that number one receiver job, and I think that he if he goes to another team, he'll get found out. I think that if the Steelers keep him, I think he'll get lost in the shuffle very quickly and probably get bumped this time next year I think that he's not that role regardless of who he goes to he's just not that guy imagine he went to the Cowboys alongside Amari Cooper but then Cowboys don't need him either so no, they've got lamb I don't they're know good. yeah I don't know it's got the Jets written all over it <laughs> I'm gonna move on to a player now who I think as well as James Conner being underrated in the running back position this guy is as well I want to talk about Aaron Jones oh so yeah Aaron Jones is so far down the list of players that's hitting free agency this year. And it is just downright disrespectful. I'm, I'm sick of it. Can we please start throwing some respect on Aaron Jones's name? What an amazing draft class it was in 2017 for running backs. You had Aaron Jones behind the likes of Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and of course, run CMC. <laughs> Potentially, like... 
four of the best five running backs in the league in there. Obviously, he's been overshadowed, but Jones was such an important part of, of Packers' success this year, and he was probably their best player last year as well. I just think that he has to be signed no matter what. I think I think the Packers need to view him the same way they would like like Devontae Adams. Keeping both of those players in there for Rodgers is, is vital. Now, the problem is, is that Packers are 11.5 million in the red, but obviously there'll be other players that leave as well. So for me, Aaron Jones just needs to be their number one priority. I can't even think like where else he would go. I just can't see him in another jersey. The, the, the Packers just need to really re-sign Aaron Jones, but another huge name hitting free agency. Yeah, um, do you know what, right? Scott, I think I've watched NFL for at least a couple of years before you, right? We've largely spent the same amount of time watching the NFL, and we've spent a lot of time watching Aaron Rodgers. I think that we've both pretty much seen his whole career for Green Bay, and he's and he's blown it. He's absolutely like blown out of the water. I mean, not ruined it. Um, <laughs> blown it. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is almost consensus best quarterback in the NFL during his career, has been you know statistically the best. But one of the reasons that he has been the best, and this isn't something that people like to notice very much, it's the same reason Drew Brees has been so good. It's because he has to throw the ball. It's because the Saints and the Packers, in this case, have both had terrible run games, pretty much for 20 years, right? And it's the same with the Lions. They've got this kind of issue as well. If yeah. I go back like the last 20 years, go back to 2001, a man green was Brett Favre's running back. And if you go back through all the years, Sam Congedo, right? Ryan Grant, Eddie Lacy, Cedric Benson, just jobbers of the NFL. Eddie Lacy was one of the biggest. I think he, I mean, I think he won rookie of the year, but he was such he had, a flop. He had one good year. And then I, it was the first year I played fantasy football and it was the worst pick I've ever made. Ty Montgomery, Jamal Williams, everyone up to this man, Aaron Jones, has been mince. And it's so good to see them playing with a great running back because a great running back means you've got a run game and it means that you can pass the ball better. The pieces are in place finally with the twin Aarons and Green Bay for the first time in years. If they don't pay this man, like Scott, I think this is genuinely contention for most in the league this year. I think he's got he's in that conversation now. We've had this conversation before, but like, Players have two different values. One, they have their value across the NFL. And two, they have their value to the team. Like, for instance, Dak might not be the absolute best quarterback in the league, but his value to the Cowboys is insane and is way more than Ben's value to the Steelers or Aaron's value to the Packers because it's like, it's that factor, isn't it? It's like, what happens if they take them out of the team? And you can't take Jones out this team. He's just been so good since 2018. And a key reason that they've won 26 games in the past two seasons um, I didn't even realise this man was a free agent that, that stresses me out you just mentioning this I want to run to his house and give him the money I have in my wallet which is only four quid so it's not going to help very much so <laughs> yes all in on this man coming back and getting paid and getting paid well what do you he think is going to happen? I think he has to re-sign but we'll just wait and see what happens I, I, I don't know what they do because as, as you say they've had such bad luck with running backs to me if I was a GM, I'd be sitting thinking, okay, clearly my team is cursed and this guy has broken some kind of curse. I'm going to pay him. I am fully with you there. So we've spoken a lot about young guys and we've spoken a lot about 
the offensive skill players now let's move over to an area which i strongly believe is my weakness in nfl knowledge but let's talk about defensive players and let's talk about some of the bigger names that are heading into free agency i picked out two scott i'm very interested to know your thoughts on first one is one of the best cornerbacks of his generation if not the nfl of all time and I know that's a big sense, but I think it's backed up when I say that we're talking about Richard Sherman. Now, I think he had one of the best seasons of his career this year, despite coming off the ACL tear in 2019. I think that, yes, and I'm going to play my cards early here, he should leave the 49ers because they are in what feels like a bit of a rebuild, despite being in the Super Bowl 12 months ago. But I think he still draws top money. And the reason is that, he might not be the shutdown cornerback that he once was, but he's got the skills and the mentality to still play at high level. I think he should maybe do one of those one or two year, 15 million average deals that you get for a player of his caliber. And that's where I'd like to see him. I haven't picked out a team, but I'd like to see him leave the 49ers, but still play starting cornerback role. What do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think for Sherman, you said a couple of things I agree with. If he has just had one of his best seasons, he does need to follow up with moving to a team that he can definitely get some kind of Super Bowl contention with straight away. So I've not done a great deal of research into this, but maybe a team like the Bills might be a good fit. Or maybe even actually going and, and making the, the Browns more jersey sales alongside their other like 40 big seller names that they've got the Browns might be a good idea could fit in somewhere like the Titans as well I know that Desmond King I think is leaving the Chargers so you could go and fit in there potentially and see what the Herbert train rolls with I think that's the important thing is that he needs to sign with a team that are gonna be playoff contenders straight away because he does only have a couple of years left the important thing about what you said is that he's one of the best players of his generation not this generation Mm -hmm. and I think Browns is an an interesting one because Browns have a deal where they sign contentious players (laughs) <laughs> Some might call them Marmite players. Some might call them arseholes. So, I mean, I'm sure that word has been used to describe the Browns, Sherman and the Browns in the past. But, you know, they've got, have they not got Ward? Have they not got the other guy who's amazing? Miles Garrett as well on, on that back line. Yeah, they've got a lot of players. But, you know, in terms of like a locker room leader and a smart man, I think that that's a good shout to the Browns. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want another defensive player a bit co- closer to the quarterback this time? Yes, let's do it. This is the first player I want to talk about who actually doesn't have a team because this player has already been cut from his team, I do believe, ahead of a big payday, which I think was going to be coming in March. I'm talking, in fact, this is the most I've been interested in the Texans in my entire life this past hour with you. Uh, I want to talk about JJ Watt, who I think has already announced that he's left the Houston Texans. Now, I think it's quite clear to see that JJ has passed his best. He's also got a bit of the gronk, character to him and the fact that he's been like terminated he's been like bionically rebuilt (laughs) over his seasons in the nfl but much like sherm i think he's still got a lot of gas left in the tank i think there's a lot of teams who have terrible edge rushers and basically never really get to the quarterback where jj watt could fit in quite nicely and i actually picked out a couple for you and i wanted to get your thoughts on it now i went through the list and saw which teams were the worst at sacking the quarterback in 2020 and i don't want him to go to the 32nd or 31st team because i believe he would be wasted on the 32nd and last place Bengals. And I feel like he would also be wasted on the 31st place Jaguars. But the next two, I think, are teams that he could 
come aboard with and really make a difference. The first one is a playoff caliber team and the Tennessee Titans. And I'd also maybe like to see him go to the 29th place Raiders who could definitely do with some more sacks. Like I think that they've proven that Derek Carr can play and win them games. They beat the Super Bowl champions from 2019 in the 2020 season. They were the only team to do it properly, excluding Chargers, asterisk. And also 28th is Vikings, who I think, you know, again, it's maybe a team that has a decent offense and just needs to up their defense a wee bit. But if I was picking one, I'd definitely like to see him at the Titans. Uh, Titans, I think we both have a soft spot for. I would maybe like to see him there. And of course, have to get this out of the way. Lots of people wanted to beat the Steelers because we already have two Watts. <laughs> Three Watts is just too much power for this team. I don't think we can afford him in a million years. So I don't think he's coming here. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I think JJ is kind of the biggest name in free agency for me, which is weird because normally it's a you know it's an offensive player. And obviously we're we're taking Dak out of this again. I can't reiterate enough. If the Cowboys decide to wake up and choose chaos one day and decide not to re-sign Dak Prescott, we're in for the bumpiest ride that's ever happened in the NFL. I think JJ Watt is the biggest free agent heading into this offseason. I disagree with you on a little bit. I think he is actually still elite. I think he is obviously playing for one of the worst teams in the NFL. So, you know, there's not a lot you can do there. He's not had a great deal of other great players around him. But I do agree with you. I think he needs to sign with a team that he's actually going to make a difference on. I think I've heard the favourite is the Packers, which makes a lot of sense because they're maybe just missing one or two key pieces of experience on their defence, which he could really bring and maybe help elevate them to the the Super Bowl next year. So I like that. I've also heard he could stay in the AFC. Obviously, we'd love to see him come to the Ravens. I wanted to mention that the Ravens are in the process of losing two of our very best players, Yannick Ngakwe, and losing Matthew Judon, who was franchise tagged this year. And we have a history of just binning off our sort of edge players and D-line players when they come up for big contract days. We've done it before a few times to my extreme discomfort and endless pain. <laughs> now, I love Matthew Judon. He's been one of our best players the past like three or four years. And Gokwe came in, did really good things as well. I don't think we're going to be able to re-sign both of them. I would like us to keep one because I think losing both just makes us extremely open there. But if we lost both and entered the hunt for JJ Watt purely for a Hollywood reason, I'd be really into it because it could be Watt versus Watt against, you know, against you guys, which would be good fun twice a year. You could have a play where that could literally happen because you could have JJ tackling Derek. I'd love it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I would like to throw us into the pot, although I don't know if it will happen. But I've read the Packers are one of the teams that could potentially look to bring him in. I've also read that the Dolphins might be a good fit for him. And then I also read about kind of Bengals, Washington, those kind of teams. But he'd be completely wasted at those kind of teams. He needs to sign with a contender. So I hope he does. Mm -hmm. And I hope it's us. Well, sorry, I'm just going to add in a little caveat, clarifying something I said earlier. It wasn't actually cut. He asked for his release. 
and he left in such a way which actually works quite well for the Houston Texans as he had 17.5 million for one year left on his salary that was non-guaranteed so there's no money hanging over anyone he left because he wants to chase a Lombardi and he will probably take a discount to do so he's 32 years old so he's probably got a fair whack of gas left but not a lot so probably one two years with a team who's you know in that 16 maybe 12 team contention I'd say it's going to be exciting wherever he lands I do think he's going to do very well it's going to be such an exciting off season though and I think we need to do a couple of other podcasts because as well as the players that are heading into free agency everything changes once we get into trade territory so and that and that will happen I still firmly believe there are about 15 teams looking for a new quarterback and it's all over the shop. So it'll be really, really exciting. We need to also do one after the draft, which is, of course, coming in the spring, because we'll have a better idea of what positions and, and needs some of the teams need after that, you know? Absolutely. Well, they are just some of our favourite free agents that are going to be moving around and or staying, perhaps, in the NFL. And that pretty much wraps what is episode three of our NFL podcast, Fourth and Out. Stay tuned straight after this episode for our second bonus episode. When bonus we'll be, one. <laughs> we'll be diving into another game of Scott's. Last time, very late in the show, he was like, let's do the NFL Awards. And that became our first bonus episode. So stay tuned straight after this for our second bonus episode before we get to that though scott thank you very much for your time as always i'll see you <laughs> when will i see you what was the next thing we will talk about what's the next big big feature in the nfl the it's the draft now this is where i will introduce scott and then sit back and listen to him for an hour because i notoriously <laughs> know nothing about college football and refuse to ever watch it but nevertheless <laughs> i'll be excited to see what happens will Steelers bag another claypool will important changes be made in the NFL, when quarterbacks are drafted and other players are bumped to the curb, we'll have to wait and see. But for now, that's us for episode three of Fourth and Out. Scott, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for having us. And stay tuned straight after this for our very special bonus episode. Mm-hmm.